Well, good evening, everyone. We're glad you're here tonight. You probably want to open your Bibles tonight. The first text we're going to go to, we're going to go to a couple of them, but get your Bible open to Ephesians 4. And before we tackle our study tonight, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word, and it's our desire, Lord, to understand it accurately, study it, rightly divide it accurately. And I pray that as in the next weeks we go through this particular discipline and study, that your spirit will use it to gird up our minds and hearts and lives in causing us to recognize a true interpretation, which in regard to others that aren't true. And I pray we would be able to spot that and you would use it in our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we began a new study that we've called How to Study and Interpret the Bible. And actually, what this will be is a compilation of three different theological disciplines that we are going to try to merge into or combine into one study. We're going to try to combine three studies into one massive study, hermeneutics, Bible study methods, and exegesis. We said we could invent a new word, hermegesis, Bible study methodology. And last week, we introduced the study by asking the question, is there a biblical precedence, a legitimate biblical precedence for this kind of study? And we did conclude there was. There certainly is a big difference between reading the Bible and studying and understanding the Bible. So now the question comes, is there a need for this kind of study? We know there's a precedence in the scriptures for it. Is there a specific need? And we want to talk about that tonight. We believe that there is a need for a study as to how to accurately interpret and understand the Bible. And we think there's not only a need for a course like this, we think it's the greatest need in the church. Now, we're not trying to be overly dramatic on this point, and I'm not a person who wants to be overly dramatic, but this is probably the greatest need God's people have, and the truth of the matter is most don't even know it. When you look at the scriptures such as Psalm 138, where God says he magnifies his word above his name, at the same level and even above his holy name, I think most people don't think that way about the scriptures. If they did, they certainly would be after an accurate understanding of them. Now, for most people in the United States, having a Bible or owning a Bible is not a problem. There are over 20 million Bibles sold every year in the United States. Every home has an average of 4.3 Bibles in it, and 85% of all American homes have Bibles in them. So the need, it would seem, is not the need for more Bibles, but the need is to be able to study accurately, interpret, and accurately understand the Bible. Dr. Donald K. Campbell, in his foreword to Dr. Roy Zuck's book, Basic Bible Interpretation, made a very important observation when he said the Bible may well be the most abused book in the world. And he's absolutely correct. People use the Bible in many ways to support many different beliefs. People use the Bible in many ways to support many different behaviors. Denominations use the Bible. Cults use the Bible. Religions use the Bible. And religious rituals, uh, they all use the Bible. Some even use the Bible to promote sin. So people use the Bible. Problem is, they're not interpreting it accurately. 
Now, we think there is a tremendous need for a study like this in the church, and we're basing that on six different reasons. Number one, we start with the condition of the churches today. If you ask most people, what do you think the greatest need in the church is today, I would wager to say very few, very, very few, would say the greatest need in the church is accurate knowledge of God's word. In fact, very few theological schools would say that. If you went to a theological institution and said, what do you think the greatest need is here in this theological institution, very few would say accurate knowledge of God's word. They would promote things like counseling, psychology, marketing strategies, study of religions, but not too many would say an accurate knowledge of the word of God. The truth is Paul warned that as the church age nears its conclusion, it's going to depart from that very focus on the word of God and on the doctrines of God. He said, for example, in 2 Timothy 4.3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And Paul specifically told Timothy that he was to give attention to the public reading of scriptures and to exhortation and teaching. Now that's not the focus of most churches today. In fact, most churches have lost that focus. In fact, the majority of churches are going a whole different direction other than a real focus on serious reading and study and exposition of the scriptures. Grant Osborne and Stephen Woodward in their book, Handbook for Bible Study, point out there are four movements that have swept through churches in these last years that have lured the church away from a serious focus on the Word of God. And the first movement they cited is the evangelistic movement. The evangelistic movement. Now this movement stresses evangelism at the expense of proper biblical instruction and doctrine, and it frankly neglects the feeding of the flock. The evangelistic movement basically turns every message or every text into an evangelistic appeal for people to believe in the Lord and be saved. And that's fine. There's certainly a place for doing that. The church is to do the work of an evangelist. But the problem is the vast majority of people that are going to churches are already saved. And they don't necessarily need that. What they need is an accurate understanding of the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with wanting to evangelize the lost, but if that's the total focus of the church, listen to this carefully, it's neglecting its biblical responsibility. I'd like you to open to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And you'll notice what Paul says the primary responsibility here is of the church, beginning at verse 11. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body in Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ as a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceit scheming. Paul says the purpose of the church is to equip those who are believers who are in the body of Christ 
so that they can grow to become mature so they will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's not my word, that's God's word. And a lot of churches have just basically said, well, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to go after lost people. I'm all for that. We have a worldwide ministry that reaches out and takes the gospel all over the world. So I'm all for reaching out to lost people. But the primary responsibility of the church is you feed the flock. You teach the flock. You strengthen the flock. So they're not going to be tossed to and fro by all these winds of doctrine. So there's the first movement that's drifted the church away from accurate teaching of the scriptures. A second movement is the church renewal movement. The church renewal movement. Now this movement basically says this. You get a bunch of people, they sit around and figure out how can we renew and revive the church? What are we going to do? Let's focus on people. Let's make people the most important thing. We'll promote a positive atmosphere where people can come and they can fit in. We're going to go in a new direction in which we're going to allow people to have these little study groups and these little fellowship groups. And and I'll tell you what, people don't realize how dangerous that can be. They don't realize how dangerous that can be. You get a bunch of people together and you pull up chairs and you talk about a Bible verse. Let me ask you a question, just honestly. Don't answer this, just rhetorically. Do you really think God expects his word to be handled like that? Is that what you think Almighty God expects of people? We get in a room, pull chairs around, and let's just talk about a Bible verse. Do you think that's the way God expects his word to be handled? I know it isn't, based on what he said in the scriptures. But this church renewal movement, you see, has pulled people away from solid, serious biblical instruction, and that establishes a great need for a course just like this. A third movement that swept through the church is that church growth movement. And that movement stresses, we do what we can to increase the numbers. That's the goal. The goal of the church is to market the church any way we can, come up with any plan we can to increase the numbers. And so, the church that gets caught up in this church growth movement, they'll feature entertainment and bands and gimmicks and coffee shops and movies and all kinds of marketing strategies. And the whole goal of it's numerical growth. We don't care what it takes. We want numerical growth. It neglects a true, sound, systematic exposition of the word of God. And I just received an email from someone in another state who said they're going to a church that's just like that and they are sick of it sick of it. They said, we leave this place depressed. A fourth movement that has swept through churches that has pulled it away from an accurate focus on the Word of God is the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement is an emotional movement, oftentimes irrational. It's a movement that stresses emotional experiences Everybody needs to feel something, and they do that at the expense of careful analysis of the Word of God. I know that to be true, because I've got hand-to-head with some of these people. And this type of service features a lot of amens. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? They're not saying anything, but they're wanting amens. This is pulling people away from the Word of God. The common denominator of each of these movements is The church has made something a higher priority than a careful, accurate understanding of God's word. 
That's the common denominator of all those movements. Whether it's the evangelistic movement, the renewal movement, the growth movement, or the charismatic movement. So there's a great need for a study like this. Because churches are becoming biblically and spiritually anemic and they've lost their way. So that's the need we have for a course like this. Second reason we're going to study it is we are in satanic war. And the key to our survival is to accurately know the word of God. We are in satanic war. I'd like you to flip back in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to notice what Paul writes in verses 13 to 15. Paul talks about these false ministers, and he says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Look. Satan wants people ignorant of the truth of God because he does his greatest work in religious talk. Satan does his greatest work in twisting scriptures. That's how he tripped up Eve. If you go back to that account in Genesis chapter 3, I mean, Satan comes to her and says, what did God say? Well, God said if we eat the fruit or we touch it, we'll die. Well, God never told her anything about touching it. He said, if you eat the fruit, you'll die. Well, the moment she said that, if you touch the fruit or eat the fruit, Satan knows she doesn't even know what the Word of God says. And that's how he tripped her up. She wasn't quite sure what God's Word said. Satan does his finest work on Sunday in pulpits. I'm convinced he wants people to go to church. He wants people confused about what the Bible actually does say and about what the Bible actually does not say. He doesn't want people knowing that. He wants people religious, but he also wants them ignorant. And a key to survival in this dark, twisted world of ours is knowing God's word accurately. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is the thing that is critical for our safety and development as we walk through a dark world. Now, Satan doesn't care if people hear some words from the Bible. He likes it. But he does not want people knowing all the word of God, and he does not want people understanding truth accurately. It's no wonder that Paul stressed the importance of knowing the truth and the word of God as being part of the armor of God against Satan. In fact, he said the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And may I remind us all of what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan. He defeated him by a statement. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now to carefully and accurately understand every word that proceeds from God is a daunting challenge. And it is not going to come by some quick discipleship course. It's not going to come by some weekend retreat or even daily reading. It's going to require a careful, systematic study of the scriptures. 
know how words function, know what they say, know what they mean, know how they're connected. It's going to require all that. We're going to go through all of this as we continue on in this study because I want this church grounded and solid and can spot things right away. Now, a third reason why we're going to study this is because this world is filled with religious people who adulterate the Word of God. As long as you're open to 2 Corinthians, go back to chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and notice what Paul writes in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, But we have renounced the hidden things because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That word adulterate is one that means to use the word of God in a deceptive, corrupt way that's designed to ensnare people or trap them. If one doesn't have some means of being able to study and arrive at truth, one can fall prey to these false religious teachers and denominations and viewpoints and those that are using the Word of God in a very deceptive way. And people use the Bible in very deceptive ways. People can take the Bible and make it say what they want to say. They can loft things out of context, and we're going to drive home, we're going to give you some down the road in the weeks to come, some homework you can take home and examine context. And there are people that can take things out of context and twist words and make it say what they want to say. Brigham Young justified having more than 30 wives by pointing out things from the Bible. The Mormon practice of being baptized for dead people is based on a verse taken out of context from 1 Corinthians 15. The concept of bringing rattlesnakes into a church or drinking strychnine poison comes from one Bible verse in Mark chapter 16. And we submit that most people who believe various things in their churches typically do so not based on a careful, careful study and analysis of the Word of God. Most believe what they believe, not even knowing if it's accurate or true. Those who don't know how to study the Bible to accurately interpret it are ripe for these Bible-teaching predators who are out to promote their own views and agendas by adulterating the Word of God. And that's exactly what they do. They adulterate the Word of God. And by the way, this isn't just for scholars or for people that do what I do. Martin Luther, and we'll have a quote in weeks to come from him, he said this is for every person in the church. They need to understand how to analyze a text, look at a text, and say, now that text is being handled accurately, or no, it isn't. The fourth reason why there's a need for this is the world is filled with untaught, unstable people who distort God's word to their own destruction. Now, I would like you to go over to 2 Peter chapter 3, if you would, please. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is a very important passage of Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to draw your attention to verse 16. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which... Notice that relative pronoun, which, now watch these words, the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Now I want you to notice that Peter 
specifically brings up the subject of the untaught and the unstable, the untaught and the unstable in the context of not handling the scriptures right. Oftentimes, people will say, boy, they really know their Bible. And usually, when somebody says that about someone, you dig a little deeper, you realize that person doesn't know much of anything. Most of the time, when that kind of statement is made, it's nothing more than delusional arrogance. There are some people who boast about the fact they're self-taught. Biblically speaking, there's no such thing. In Scripture, someone is to teach so others can learn. That's true in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, what is stated here in this verse is there are untaught, unstable people, and the context is clearly in the context of misinterpreting the Bible. I mean, the words untaught and unstable are given in the context of misinterpreting the Bible. They distort, they distort the Scriptures. And when Peter uses that word untaught, he refers to one as hasn't been trained. They don't know what they're doing with the Bible. They don't know what they're doing with the Bible. It's a rare Greek word which stresses that one is unlearned in the way they approach and understand the scriptures. And the word untaught establishes a great need for a study just like this. This is what this study is going to do. It's going to teach you. So you're not going to be untaught. You'll be able to Take these principles you learn and the things we're going to go through in the next weeks and you'll be able to look at the scriptures and say, well, I'm going to look at this a whole different way. And the word unstable refers to somebody that's unsettled. They're unstable in their faith. They're just all over the map. I mean, one person says one thing and another person says another thing and they can't seem to fine-tune it within the context of what's true. This person is a superficial type of individual. They don't know how to properly handle the scriptures. Now, what these kinds of people do, these unstable, untaught people do, according to what Peter writes here in the verse, is they distort the word of God. Which means they twist it, they torture it, they pervert grammar, they pervert language, they pervert grammatical context, they pervert theology. And they really believe in what they're doing. But notice carefully what it says. They're doing this to their own destruction. Their own destruction. There are many of these kinds of people that are leading Bible studies. I mean, I really think there are people out there, they don't have a clue how dangerous that is. There are warnings in scriptures, be not many among you teachers, knowing you'll receive a stricter judgment. I don't think people realize how dangerous that is. Frankly, there are people doing far more damage than good, and that is why it is necessary to have some sort of instruction on, well, how do we approach the Bible? How do we study the Bible? How do we interpret the Bible? What we're after here is a true interpretation of God's Word. We're not interested here in inaccurate distortions. We're not after that at all. And it is not only possible to distort a passage, but all of Scripture, because one is untaught, and doesn't know how to properly interpret it. In Titus chapter 1, we learn there were people who were distorting the word of God, and Paul wrote Titus and said, they must be silenced. Their mouths must be shut. They're carving up the scriptures. They don't know what they're doing with it, and you need to stop them. And to do that, if you're going to stop somebody who's just butchering the scriptures, you have to have some some way of analyzing what's accurate true knowledge and what isn't. What's accurate and true about the Bible, what isn't. That requires study. That requires a system. 
And I want to go back to a point that we'll show you later in the weeks to come. Martin Luther believed every believer had the potential of doing this, but they had to be serious in the way they approached the scriptures. Which brings us to the fifth reason we're going to study this, and that is because this world is filled with religious teachers who use Bibles, but very few expound them accurately or even know how to do it. That's sad, isn't it? I'm telling you that's true. Paul said to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. That's a solemn charge Paul gave to Timothy. You preach the word. That's your job. He made that in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, and he did that in view of the fact that there would be a rapture of the church, the appearing, and the kingdom, which would be the second coming. He made that charge in view of that. Now, many years ago, I had the privilege of meeting and hearing and actually studying the works of Dr. Haddon Robinson. And back in 1980, he wrote this. During two decades in the classroom, I've evaluated nearly 6,000 sermons. My friends marvel that after listening to hundreds of fledgling preachers stumble through their first sermons, I'm not an atheist. The problem was not the number of messages preached that he heard. It was that he heard messages that weren't accurately communicating what was in the text. That was the problem. I heard him tell this story. One night he went to a church service with a family one night, and he said when they got in the car after the service, they're driving home, and the husband and wife that are up in the front seat go, man, that was fantastic. That was really something. I mean, the spirit was moving. It was really something. And Haddon said, I finally said, what did that guy say? What was it that guy said? He said, I sat there listening to that. The guy was just rambling. He wasn't saying anything, and he wasn't true to the text. The truth is, many preachers are not known for the one thing they should be known for. What they should be known for is serious Bible exposition. Most ministers are not known for that, and yet that's the charge they've been given by the Lord. I solemnly charge you, preach the word. Many ministers today spend more time visiting, golfing, planning, politicking, organizing, They rarely spend a lot of time studying. Yet, as the church age began, we get a glimpse of the importance of the word of God when the apostles said, you know, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. In John 21, there's that great scene where the Lord Jesus Christ meets Peter on the shore He had risen from the dead, and Peter had failed him, and he met with the apostle Peter, and he specifically said, Peter, do you love me? And you know that. And he goes, yes, Lord, I love you. Then the Lord said, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. The word ten is bosco, which is the word for feed. And he gives Peter the responsibility, your job is to see to it that flock of mine is well fed. You feed them nutritious food. And We can see from verse 15, he says, feed my lambs, which refers to the young sheep. Feed my sheep, which refers to the older sheep. He uses both of those nouns in that text. So what Jesus was teaching Peter and us is that both groups of believers, young and old, need solid feeding. That's what they need. 
Jesus does not tell Peter, entertain the sheep. He said, you feed them. That's what God's sheep need to grow. That's what God's sheep need to become strong and stable so they won't be tossed around by goofy doctrines. The job of the minister is to see to it that the flock of God is well fed. And frankly, systematic exposition of Old and New Testament books is declining in pulpits, and the flock is malnourished in the pews. Michael Heiser wrote that he had many Christians tell him they couldn't remember the last time their pastor went straight through an Old Testament book. And then he went on to say, ignorance of the Old Testament is a serious issue. I call it a hermeneutical crime. When God's flock goes to church, they should go expecting to be fed the word of God. That should be their expectation. But the sad reality is most people are going to places where the word of God's being neglected. And what's even sadder is that a lot of people don't recognize it or even know it. Well, he, he preaches a good message. But like Dr. Robinson said, what did he say? Did he open up that word of God and it came to life? What did he say? When the word of God is neglected and when a study is neglected, then the minister and the church lose the authority of God and they can lose the blessings of God because they're not growing to a maturity that will cause God to bless them. God's word is the authority, and when God's word is not accurately handled, authority is lost, and so is growth. How is it that churches are in the condition they're in? Why are people more concerned with programs and more concerned with bands and social groups and other things other than the serious grasp of the truth of God? How does this happen? Ministers have lost their way. They aren't carefully expounding the scriptures. So then the church becomes a place of entertainment and symposiums on this subject and that subject and vain philosophies and religious viewpoints and worldly concepts and so-called scientific theories and lectures. That begins to take over. But if more of God's people knew how to study the Bible and knew how to accurately interpret the Bible and they knew they had a true understanding of the Bible, they'd be able to spot these guys in a second. They'd be able to spot them quicker and realize they don't know what they're talking about. They don't even know what they're doing up there. So there needs to be this kind of study, I think, taught in the church to the people of God. I think there's a need for this. God's people are in a satanic warfare, and one of the key satanic weapons that he uses is ignorance of the word of God. That's why it is so important that we're able to truly spot those that are telling the truth in light of a text, which is part of the armor of God. The final reason that we think there's a great need for this kind of study, and this is something that you should be taking personally, a believer's maturity and growth are at stake here. Do you understand that? A believer's maturity and growth is at stake, and it's all contingent upon an accurate understanding of God's word. That's the bottom line to this. Your growth, your maturity is on the line here. Every believer should strive to carefully and accurately understand the scriptures because their entire spirituality and growth is contingent upon that point. That's not my opinion. 
Peter said in 1 Peter 2 that we are to long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to salvation. So being fed the pure, true milk of the word of God is vital for that. Paul said to Timothy that a key to understanding or us coming to maturity, thoroughly furnished to do all good works, is to be equipped with an understanding of all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That's a dawning challenge to understand all scripture. And Paul says in the Philippians, we're to grow in real knowledge and discernment that leads to us being filled up with the righteousness of God. So when we talk about an accurate understanding of the scriptures, there's a lot in your life and my life that's on the line here. We're talking here about our own maturity and our own growth. The fact is, if our interpretations aren't right, then our spirituality won't be right. People do a lot of things in the name of religion that aren't right. And they feel they're led to do it, but it doesn't square with the word. One can read the Bible, have a warm, fuzzy feeling about what they read, but have no spiritual depth that pleases the Lord. So, the need for this kind of study in my opinion, is one of the greatest needs of the church. And that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. Because we think that the greatest need of the church is an accurate understanding of God's word. Well, our time is gone tonight, long gone. I want to thank you for coming out. Good night. The Lord bless you.